Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I speak with future saints about being saints. Today's podcast is titled Simple Steps to a Stronger Marriage. I have with me Dr. Ray Gurundi. Today we're talking about, as I said, simple steps to a stronger marriage. Before we begin this conversation, I just want to shout out our sponsors. That's the Catholic Company. They are a one-stop shop for all your Catholic needs from books to rosaries to clothing. They've got it all. Use code GBS for 20% off your order. And secondarily, our other sponsor is Good Catholic. Good Catholic is a digital media company that provides series based around the faith. If you're interested in checking those out, use code GBS for 20% off your order. But here we are uh, today to talk a little bit about your new book, Dr. Um, so I just want to begin by um, really actually letting you introduce yourself. If you want to just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, um, that would be wonderful. Brandon, I am a psychologist in the vernacular, a shrink. I've been shrinking for about 45 years. I used to be like six, nine. Uh, a lot of what I do is related to families and kids and marriage. And I have found over the years dealing not only with the kids, but the grown-ups, that you don't have to be complex. If you can give some very straightforward, doable pieces of action, you can get a cascade effect. I'll give you a strong, a strong example. Parent will come in, absolutely flummoxed by this four-year-old. Four-year-old is just throwing fits and is oppositional and bedtime, bad times, meal ordeals, temper tempers, everything all over the place. And I'll say to the parent, um, can you get him to stand in the corner? No, he'll throw a fit. He'll come out. He'll scream. He'll carry on. Okay, let's do this then. You tell him one time when he misbehaves to go to the corner. And if he doesn't, you simply tell him, well, until you spend your corner time, you don't have anything. You don't have any privileges. You can't go outside. You can't play with the toys. You don't have your stuffed animals. You don't have your favorite shirt. You don't have any dessert, etc. That's all. Now, parents will come back two weeks later, and I'll ask, how'd that work? They'll say, well, we got him going to the corner without a fight. What else? Well, you know, he seems more pleasant. He seems calmer. He, he's hugging us and kissing us a lot more than he used to. So what happened, Brendan, is you had the cascade effect. This tiny little thing you did sent out ripples throughout the whole relationship. And I think something similar like that happens in marriage. Okay, well, let's let's talk about that because I think you're, you're probably spot on. I know you said you've been doing this for 40 years, and um, I think you, you have how many adopted children? Is it nine or ten? It's 10. I needed the tax deductions. You know, I was getting killed by taxes. So, you know, a nice thing, nice thing about adoption, people don't realize if you adopt in December, you still get the tax deduction for the whole year. Yeah. That's, so they pay for themselves the first year. Oh, perfect. I'm sure, I'm sure your children love being known as tax deductions, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're here to talk about this, uh, you know, simple steps to a stronger marriage, but let's talk about the cascade effect within, within that. And what does that, what does that look like in your mind? There are tiny little things that people can do in a marriage that they don't do. And I spend about 80% of the book talking about why they don't. 
Brendan, if you go to any of these top magazines, what what is the title? Ten Secret Ways to Improve That Relationship. Five Happy Steps Towards More Fulfilled Life. What they do is they give you these, these tiny little suggestions, but what they don't do is what psychologists know you have to do, which is you got to get people over their resistance to doing them. I'll give you a small example. One of my steps, very simple, no surprise to anybody, say I'm sorry. Now, why would people not say I'm sorry? In the book, I have what is called resistance rationales. In other words, the justifications that I give for not saying I'm sorry, it'll be thrown back in my face. I'm always the one who says, I'm sorry. If I say I'm sorry, she's going to think that I'm all wrong and she's all right. I may not say I'm sorry, but I act I'm sorry. So what I do is I take each of those apart. Because if if you have those resistances, you're not going to say I'm sorry. I don't Mm -hmm. care what somebody says. If this is good for you to do, well, yeah, it may be good. But you're resisting it with the core of your being. So those things got to be taken apart. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's uh, beautiful. What well, what what are some of the other main points here in in this new book? Because this is not your first book that is is focused on marriage. They did studies, Brendan, where they found that servers, waitresses, especially females, touched customers. Just touch nothing, nothing suggestive. Just maybe a touch on the shoulder or anything like that. Got 30% more tips. Now, there must be something about a touch. In a marriage, I will say to people, let's add some touching. Now, of course, we go back to the resistance rationales. I'm not an affectionate person. That's just not me. It'll feel forced. I won't know when to do it. If I touch her, she'll say, you're sweaty, don't. So all of these objections have to be dealt with to get a person past that initial, I'll just, I'll just kiss you on the cheek goodbye when I leave. If I come in, I will, I will give you a hug. I'll just do something. Now, the number one objection to that is I don't feel like it. I don't have the emotions to want to do it. I'd have to force it. To which I say, like a good psychologist, then force it. If something is good to do, it's good to do whether you feel like doing it or whether you don't. It's good to do. Brendan, are you familiar with the second law of thermodynamics? I know this is a trick question. I hate to do this to you. It's okay. I have no problem sounding dumb. So no, I'm not. (laughs) Second law of thermodynamics rules the universe. It essentially says everything moves toward decay. Your body's age, iron rusts, food rots, well, except some of the snack foods, they last for 2,000 years. The sun eventually is going to burn out. Given enough time, the sun will burn out. I think there's a parallel law that affects marriages. I call it the law of social entropy, which is, as time goes on, we get lazier and sloppier in manners, in 
compliments. You know, there's a old tongue-in-cheek observation about marriage where they say, first year of marriage, every time you have physical intimacy, put a marble in a jar. After that, after that first year, every time you have physical intimacy, take a marble out of that jar. The jar will never be emptied. And I think it points to something. We try very harder. We try much harder early on. Early on, we do. I'll tell clients in my office, didn't you used to like each other once? Didn't you, didn't you give each other compliments once? Did, did those positives go away? Just because you're having a troublesome relationship now, does that mean he's still not a good dad? I mean, what, what is happening here? And I think the law of social entropy can take over even some of the best marriages. We just get sloppy. We get, we get lazy. We get taken for granted. I'll say to, I'll say to uh, my spouses, I'll say, uh, how much do you say please and thank you? Well we, well, we say please and thank you. More than your five-year-old does? Because we attempt to teach five-year-olds manners every chance we get. Why? Because we know manners are dignity. They're courtesy to people. But yet in a marriage, we get real sloppy with manners. Hey, get, get me a cup of coffee, would you? No please. No thank you. Meals put in front of you? Yeah, it's a pretty good meal. No, thank you. No, no. Wow, I really appreciate that, honey. We get sloppy. The law of social entropy tends to rule, Brendan. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think you're right. And I, I mean, for myself, my parents have been married for 40 some years and they're my, you know, the beautiful, beautiful marriage. I look up to them. I'm one of eight kids, but I know what you're talking about and I've seen it in their marriage, you know, things that were once easy to do ways to love one another that have, have failed, you know, or have stopped. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a real shame. So let's, let's take it from the perspective of, you know, you're looking at this book in your own marriage. Um, how has your wife played a part in helping you to, um, you know, recognize these things that are, are natural progressions within marriage? Um, and how has she helped you kind of avoid at least to some degree, you know, those, those things that are so common. I've got an overarching philosophy in marriage, Brendan. Very simple. Do what the women tell you and nobody gets hurt. <laughs> my wife, my wife was reading the book and she looked up at me and she said, Hey, you've been pulling this stuff on me like that with her tongue in her cheek because <laughs> I, I, I talk about this. She goes, wait a minute. <laughs> when you have 10 kids, you better treat each other nice because the 10 kids can take you down. So you're, you're forced. I don't want to say it's a common enemy, <laughs> but you're forced in a, a common project to raise these kids well. And so she in her approach to the kids, Brendan, she's a, she's a better parent than I am. She just she's more consistent. She acts with more authority. She just she's better at it than I am. And I've learned from her. I've watched her how she did it. How she'll stop and she'll she'll find out exactly why the kid is feeling that way or thinking that way or why he did that. And I notice that in marriages, a spouse will come into my office and say, for example, the wife says. 
you know, when my mother-in-law is around and she's critical of me, he doesn't, he doesn't defend me. He doesn't stick up for me. He lets her say what she's going to say. And he doesn't say anything. I feel betrayed. So I'll turn to the guy and I'll say, do you know why your wife thinks that? And he'll say, not really. I'll go, well, have you asked her? Uh, not that much. Why not? Because I don't agree with her. And I always tell spouses, you don't have to agree with your spouse. You just have to be able to know how they think. Why are they thinking that? If she thinks that you don't back her up in her parenting, why? Where's she coming from with that? What exactly are the specifics, the particulars of her thinking that way? It's amazing, Brendan, how many spouses, when I ask them, can you summarize why your spouse thinks that way or does that? They can't. And I say, well, have you, have, you, have you stopped to just ask? And the reason they don't is they don't, they don't want to hear what they might hear. Once again, that resistance. Yeah, I it, it's incredible. But clearly, you, you know, you're writing here to try to to help people avoid these these pitfalls. Let's let's center back in a little bit on your children. You've got ten of them. How much of a part in a good marriage? What, what has been their role in helping you to have a good marriage? And and what is the role of children in? You know, is that a part of the simple steps to a stronger marriage, that openness to life? Interested in learning more about your faith? I invite you to check out Good Catholic. They are a digital media brand focused on sharing and teaching about the faith. From podcasts to blogs to digital series, Good Catholic has it all. Use the code in the show notes to get 20% off your order at Good Catholic. We live in a culture, Brendan, that basically says you can have physical relations with anybody you want, anytime you want, anywhere you want, anyhow you want. The only place where we will give you grief is if you are married and you have more than 1.86 children. <laughs> if you get up around three, it starts. Do you know how this is happening? Don't you have, don't you have a television? I don't know about you. When are you going to stop? It's incredible. What we do, we abuse mothers who are married and who welcome children. And many of them just feel absolutely isolated. I remember when we, we used to get this, Brandon, people would say, because at one point they were all under 12, people would say, are these all your children? And I'd say, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. The oldest is at home with the triplets. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be bullied by the fact that they don't like that they think I'm sucking up the rainforest with my children. That's not going to happen. And I think what what... I'm hearing from a lot of women in particular. This is, a, this is a surprising thing. I think this has shifted in the last two generations. Dad used to be 
essentially the more acknowledged authority in the marriage. Now I'm hearing more and more women tell me that they are the authorities in their home. They set the rules, they set the limits, they set the discipline. That's their long for the ride. Hey, it's kind of go along, you know, whatever, do what she says. You know, I do what she says. Everybody does what she says. Don't worry about it. I have to really work on dads and marriages to say, protect your wife. You wouldn't let any other human being talk to your wife like that child is talking to her, your wife. Why are you allowing this? Well, you know, her style's terrible. She nags and she yells and she gets into debates with them and she re-reminds them and she just she just carries on. And I know it would drive me crazy, too, if, if, if she talked to me always like that. And I said, well, her style may not be great, but she's still mom mm. and she still has authority. So what I tell the guys is this. So you want to have a warmer, affectionate wife towards you. She has to know you got her back, that you will not allow a child to mistreat her, that you will step in immediately when you hear this conflict. You won't, you won't, you won't sit in the other room thinking, ah, close eyes. I can't tell which one of them is a nine-year-old. You'll get in there and you'll say, you know, that's not just your mom you're talking to that way. That's my wife. And that's one of the most powerful things that I've seen in marriages where the guys can make their wives feel very loved and protected. You know, sometimes, Brendan, I used to give my boys a couple bucks. I'd say, hey, go in there and give your mother some grief. I'll be right in. That worked pretty good until she found out I was only giving her a couple bucks, you know, then she, <laughs> then she got upset. Well, well, with that, why, why do you think it is that men have become in so many ways, bystanders in their lives, in their, in their own marriages? I think there's multiple cultural factors. There has just been a tsunami of reasons and pushes that basically say guys are incompetent, guys are doofuses, guys have toxic masculinity, guys are not as if you watch any commercial or any TV show, it is always the ladies who are much more competent, much more authoritative. Not unusual to see a five foot one, 105 pound police officer run down a six foot three, 240 pound guy, wrestle him to the ground while the cop is lagging behind. So it's this message of, you know, you guys just aren't cool. Let, let, let the women handle this. And unfortunately, what has happened is we do. We let the women handle it. We get lazy. I've had many wives tell me I can't get my husband off the phone. I can't get him off the computer. I can't get him off the video games. We get lazy. We get sloppy. And I tell guys, hey, you want rewards in those marriages. You better step up and protect that woman. Some of them do it. And they, they watch. Like it's a cascade effect. They watch their wife become much, much more warm toward them. Yeah, this has this has got me thinking of uh, King David. You know that that his big sin uh, was not so much even the adultery; it was you know the laziness of just uh, you know just not doing anything while his men were out at war. He was there at the you know sitting in his palace. Um, you know, you're kind of talking about that with men and um, how how much 
if at all, do you talk about, you know, that, that laziness within the book, but also, um, you know, the realities of pornography and, um, the things that, that come with that. Is that, is that a part of this book or can you speak to that a little bit? It's not a part of the book. The book is very much directed on here's what you can do and here's how I can get you over your resistance to doing it. Okay. Although, uh, there's no way to understate the effect of pornography on marriages. There's a book written by Robert Spitzer, Father Robert Spitzer, called The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church. In it, he looks at all the secular studies, not religious, secular, done by the sociologists and the psychologists and the college profs, on things like abortion, pornography, end-of-life issues. And what he found, of course, these studies show over and over again that pornography devastates a marriage. It's not a victimless crime. Crime. It devastates religion. Most people who get into pornography at the same time pull away from religion. And as they pull away from religion, then they pull away from the intimacy in their marriage. That happens. So pornography is not a victimless crime like our culture would tell you it is. Uh, the research says it's a devastating impact on a marriage. But people don't want to hear that because the bottom line, Brennan, is they want to do what they want to do. And it doesn't matter what the repercussions are. Mm. So, I, you know, I always tell, tell the guys, look, if you, if you really want to break this habit, you're going to have to take very concrete steps. For example, you're going to have to get a flip phone. You, you just can't be trusted with a smartphone. Mm. You're going to have to put a password on that computer that only your wife knows. You're going to have to do things that you just can't count on yourself to say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to pray and I'm going to go to confession and then I'll resist that. Uh, you need more help than that. Yeah. Amen. Well, I, I think all of this is, has been really great. Um, so this is the gotta be saints podcast. You know, we're, we're called to be saints. Can you just briefly talk about, um, what that looks like within the confines of marriage in your opinion? When I give marriage talks, I'll ask this question. Who would your spouse say that you treat the best? Now, much of the time, for example, uh, the woman at church is viewed as a saint. Everybody thinks she's the most wonderful human being in the world at church because they see her at church, and she is. She's just very soft and kind and charitable, mm -hmm. but boy, she's tough to live with. Or the guy, the guy at work that, oh, the ladies just love him. He's complimentary. He never scolds. He just, he's got an attentive ear. He's a good problem solver, but at home, he's got a 42% jerk quotient. <laughs> I would say that you want your spouse to be able to say about you, and this is, I think this is a core sign of a saintly marriage. My spouse treats me better than he or she treats anybody else. And unfortunately, it's too easy to not do that. You know, I get sloppy, I get lazy, I get familiar with you. I, I, I don't try as hard as I do at work or as I do at church or as I do out in the ball field. 
So I come home and you see a different part of me, which is really kind of sad. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for everything you said. I think this gives all of our listeners something to think about. And I want to give you a chance for, for any final thoughts and, um, you know, any details about the book that you'd like to share as well. Well, Brendan, if they would like a signed copy of the book, they can go to my website, drray.com, D-R-R-A-Y.com, or they can get it at the EWTN catalog. And I think most of the Catholic bookstores also probably have it. Uh, it's a million sellers. There's a million in my cellar. So uh, that's, that's a possibility too there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I know they can get it at the Catholic Company website, which is, uh, this is podcast is sponsored by them. So if you're interested in, and you don't, you don't need the autographed version. I mean, hopefully you'll be a saint one day. So that'd be, that'd be nice to have. But if you don't need the autographed version, you can also get it at the Catholic Company website. I have two quick questions for you, doctor. Uh, these are questions I ask every guest on this podcast. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of Saints? Oh, man. See, I would have to say St. John Paul simply because I know him more personally than I know any of the others. My contact with the others is through reading, you know, but, but, but I watched him. I watched him for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I watched what he, I watched what he did. So there's a familiarity there. I mean, obviously, I never met him, but there's a familiarity there that I <laughs> would not have. Same with Mother Teresa. Again, she these are both very high profile modern saints that that we know a lot about. I mean, Saint Francis is a wonderful saint, but everything I know about Saint Francis, I read. Yeah. So that's the, those two are your Mount Rushmore. I think so. Beautiful. All right. Last question. God willing, one day you're going to be a saint. What would you, what do you think you're going to be the patron saint of? (laughs) The patron saint of floundering psychologists. (laughs) Well, hopefully they can just drop the first word, you know, when it gets down to it, but (laughs) Thank you so much, doctor, for coming on. This has been a joy. If you want to buy his book, uh, check it out. Uh, It's titled Simple Steps for a Stronger Marriage. Thank you so much again for taking the time to chat. And to everyone at home, uh, check out the Catholic Company or Good Catholic. Use code GBS for 20% off your order. Thanks again and have a great day. Hey, Brendan. Can't thank you enough. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and check out goodcatholic.com for more details.